is the 20 effect. I'm Justin, the DM, and I finished this campaign. I wrote it all. That's that's it, baby. This is it. Nice. No reaction. Let's continue. <laughs> I'm going to put big music there and then just have you guys being silent. <laughs> yes. I am, am William, the player. Every character was my character. That's the truth, though. Yeah, it was. Oh, every okay. character was my character. Thank I you made for all the character, character sheets yeah. for the NPCs. Really no good. problem. It was a lot of time and effort, but yeah. Wait. I, made, I made them all. No, you didn't. Wait. Oh. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, are you high? He said, oh shoot, I'm not I, recording. Oh my god, and we're moving on. That's so crazy. Uh, <laughs> no, Will uh, didn't even record himself. Yeah, no one and, recorded uh, it. Well, well, there you go. Uh, I'm I'm William, and I have it on on Craig. I could I Frankenstein together every character. I see it still going. <laughs> every character. They're all all are mine. Voice. No one reacted. Continue. Who's Even next? Justin. Justin over there, the DM, I made him too. Oh my god. Hi. Hi, I'm Brian. I am one of the players. During every single session, I've been sending every single player pictures to keep them motivated. You take that however you want. Hey, Brian. Very, hey. Very motivated, Brian. <laughs> I'm Nelson, one of the players, and I'm doing tarot readings for money, so please. Pay me. I'm not gonna pay you. <laughs> <laughs> Take the tarot reading and run. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, my name is Jake. I'm also one of the players. Uh, I've, I've played Ash and I've also played Michelle. Um, and uh, I'm actually currently playtesting a new game that I made. Uh, it's called Dragons and Dungeons. And uh, essentially, the way that you play, uh, you, each person plays a different person sitting at a table, and uh, you just talk the whole time. Like a, a like a courtroom type of thing where where you role play people at a table, and sort of, you... but like without all of the interesting aspects of being in a court. It's literally just people sitting at a table. Okay, so do you like persuade someone more no. or have a better argument? No, no, it's, by, like, it's like sort of online. Where you just sit at a chair and do nothing. Oh, correct. Well, but like maybe... without the actual online part. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe like add add a mechanic where you each get a sword and you boost your arguments by hitting each other with sword. See, that costs money, which we don't have in the fund. Yeah, that's a lot of licensing. Just to okay. be able to use the word sword, that's like $20,000. Okay. <laughs> really? Oh, who, yeah. who? Let me guess. Cardi B took that word. It by Cardi. <laughs> it, was, it was actually her husband. Actually, the fact ah, that you just said Cardi B just lost us more money, oh, so I appreciate if you didn't say that. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, don't worry. There was actually a, there's, there's a space between the two and a dash with a hyphen. Oh, okay. Hi, Amari. I'm a player. I play uh, Magisa and Ada Fellwinter. Uh, during D&D, I do text-based RPGs. Wait, during D&D? Yeah. What about now? Did I stutter? Sorry. <laughs> you have to play D and D while playing D and D. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I want to do the least amount of post production possible, and I'm just gonna do my announcement, my final announcement, with all of you here, in saying that this, this right here, is the final episode of the campaign we did it everyone no that's not titanic that's 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 fucking jeff park that's jay park oh um and with that there is one discussion episode i have no idea when it will be judging by uh how not often we record it'll be out at some point i'll announce it on twitter follow us at the 20 effect pod Yep. And, like, comment, uh, subscribe. Yeah, all of that jazz. Ring the bell. And with that being said, here is the final episode. <gasps> Justin. Yes. For the final time, just like the episodes, episode two, because I didn't think I did this until then, would you please 
No, I think you did episode one, but yes. No, I, I didn't. You did. No, no, said, no. Brain, paint me a brain picture. I think yes. you said exactly like that. In the very paint first me one. a brain picture. I shall. Glacio. Yes. You find yourself back in that white void place you were where you became the Kraken. Except this time you are standing there for a pretty long time just kind of glancing around. And then you hear this tremendous sigh come from behind you. You feel a little wind on you from this sigh. I turn around to look at where the sigh came from. It came from above actually, as you turn around and you see sitting there a monolithic alien type of creature with this red sizzling skin, and he's got his face in his hand, and he looks kind of disappointed, and he looks down at you, and he says, I know it's confusing, but you just killed me, Glacio. How? The whole becoming a Kraken god thing. I mean, you very clearly weren't doing your job all that well if it, if me not knowing what I was doing killed you. He doesn't look amused. He just stares at you for like 10 seconds and he kind of just shakes his head and like the littlest smirk appears on his face as he says, I want to be mad, but you freed me. And for that, I'll give you this. A chance at a full life. You have no soul. You're being kept alive by the parasite. And that parasite is now dead. I can give you a new soul and body, but you will be a new person. You will have no memory of your current life, born halfway across the world. Or you can join a god as we both fade from existence. So, it's become a completely different person, or fade from reality. Of course, you will still be a penguin. You will just not be Glacio, the world saver. I mean, I saved the world once, I'll do it again. Give me a soul. And a smile slowly creeps across his face, he tries to hold it back, but he just can't. And he says, I see. Your legacy will outlive you forever, Glacio. You will always be amongst the gods. Everything begins to go black for Glacio. And what are your last thoughts as you begin to fade from this void and from your mortal soul? Next time I become a god, I'm going to stay with a little bit longer. <laughs> and many continents away, a group of refugees from a penguin camp are hiding out. They were recently attacked by a vicious infection, and many didn't make it. But the few who did started a new community. We zoom in on a shelter as an egg inside begins to hatch. The parents take notice and approach, the bird beginning to get its first view of the world. They decide to name the newborn after their village's greatest hero, Glacio. We open up on Nino holding his great sword up over Ash as Ash's arm is engulfed in the eternal flame and is just creeping closer and closer to the rest of his body. Do you want me to do it? I, um, yeah. He's like, but before you do it, and uh, he's going to have a vial open, like just kind of sitting in the sand to, to try and see if it'll like catch the hand. All right. I want to close my eyes, but instead I widen them even more just so I make sure I don't fuck this up. <laughs> And chop his head. Yeah, as I chop his arm off. Sick. Both literally and skaterly. <laughs> yes. As yes. his arm comes off, and he is now Mr. One-Arm Ash, as 
You are no longer on fire, Ash, but you are now missing your arm and are bleeding mm. profuse, profusely. Oh, I, oh, I did not. Oh, that's, that, that's, oh, that, that was a bit much. Whoa. I, I stand there like, like speechless, then realize what's happening and say, somebody cauterize the wound. Nino, you're freaking out having just cut off Ash's arm as you notice something a little more concerning and yet expected as your sword is beginning to fall apart and you look down at it and you make this connection as you look up at Loward looking over the sea towards this floating titan on fire distantly floating away and Loward isn't dancing he is just staring out into the ocean as you see sparkly liquid come from his eyes hit the ground and flowers begin to bloom around him and I completely ignore the fact that I my you know my sword's gone as I start to walk towards him my hands hanging there and then I just kind of get next to him and drop to my knees and then I would slowly turn towards him and say is is this what it took to save the world I had to lose my god he turns towards you and for the first time he looks at you in your eyes in a way that makes you feel cared for and uh, he worries about you and he doesn't dance instead he pats you and he just bolts upward like lightning and as you look up towards him into the sky the sky is beginning to heal and uh, at that point Nina would definitely continue staring in the sky like half expecting hoping that he'll come right back down but as it settles in that it's not going to happen he starts to just get fistfuls of sand in his hand and then it, it just curled up there he just starts to ball. So, Stevie. Yes? You look up towards the night sky and you see that it is just that. It's night sky. It's no longer this purple, lowered dimension. And with that, you hear the pitter-patter of many feet running up on you and you are tackled by the entire young family. <laughs> As he just knocked to the floor, he lets out a little... <laughs> as he was not expecting such a bombardment out of nowhere. Don't sneak up on me like that. I wasn't ready. It's the only reason I fell over. <laughs> and they're all like wrestling you on the ground. And now that there's more of them than you, they're really keeping you there. I, and... I killed a god, you know. <laughs> I deserve more respect. <laughs> and Mitria helps you up. I'm weakened. That's why. <laughs> Mitria helps you up and says, Congrats. You did it. Yeah, we did it. How you feeling, man, now that you're not this brood leader murderer guy? Is there words to describe how it feels to come back from the dead, get rid of the extra soul inside of you, kill a god all within a span of a few hours? I don't know. Pretty good. So, someone bring someone make a word for this. Flubal says. I, I like it. I like <laughs> flubal. I'm feeling very flubulous today. And uh, a bunch more people are coming from the city. All the big demon lowered sludge people having just disintegrated. There's a huge crowd coming towards the beach as. Uh, Titanius, Gertrude, Biscuit, Nexus the Knoll uh, swims in, and Goru approaches Cranberry. Oh, uh, Cranberry ju just hugs Goru with the amount of gratitude that, well, with the amount of great emotion of how he actually survived this entire event. Hey, I'm just dirt, man. I take the form of any dirt or rock. No, or no. Older. You're a boulder 
I never thought I'd hear you say that. I mean, Goro. And he hugs. <laughs> Big hug. Big hug. <laughs> As Titanius kind of like sidles up next to you and says, we have one more crusade we need to do. Hey, what? What? We need to gather up everyone we can. Just in a sec, I feel like there's a lot of, uh, you know, hugging and stuff going on around here. And I don't want to get in the way of that. But just in a second, we have one more thing to take care of. Is, is this is this about me accidentally killing you? Is, is this what? No, 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 no. It's, it's tying up loose ends. You're good. We're good. Oh, oh OK, fine. And Gertrude approaches and says, uh, how far we've come, eh? From Knowles to a god. Gertrude, I couldn't have done it without you. Well, maybe a little bit, but you definitely put a big hand in the Tyrol. But by the way, is there is there is there some tension with with them over there? I feel a little a little something. You're talking about I, I, and I point and Cram points over towards like the the clear group of Stevie, Nino. Ash, like that group. Oh yeah, I should, I should really check in with them, huh? Yeah. Didn't you have a sister or something? Wait a minute. The blue cat took care of that. You know the blue cat? Yes, I think the name is Platinum. Uh, we found Morpheus, Morpheus, and and Perla. We're all good. Huh? Yeah, he he just flew up on this huge dark bird. It was really crazy, but. Yeah. Well, I guess that's a story you can tell me another time. <laughs> yeah, definitely. As she uh, pats your metal back and starts making her way towards uh, Titanius. Goru, could you do me a favor real quick? Yeah. Yes. You see that giant trash can over there? I need you to ma- just smash it to make a really loud sound. You got it. He trudges over to it, he grabs it, and he just throws it upwards, like, so far that it becomes a dot in the sky. And as it comes back down, he just smashes it in between two giant hammer-like hands. And it creates this echoing blast that gets everyone's attention. All right, I know there's a lot of stuff going on. You're traumatized over your god, I think. Uh, You're fixing that person's arm. And you're getting assaulted by your family, but apparently there, there is still more to do. He looks over towards... Yeah, Titanius just waving in the, in the distance. Uh, we need to go with Titanius. As, as Cram just stands there, just pointing in, in the direction. <laughs> I'll lead the way. And he starts going. So Nino ignores the entire thing. And literally just stays doing what he's doing. Okay. But That's perfectly fine. But Coda and... Uh, well, Coda, the second that he heard that giant sound, would have immediately got in front of Ada. But Saki would have started heading over. Ash is actually going to kind of stumble over to uh, to Nino and um, just kind of put his hand on his shoulder and he's going to be like, um, we, should, we should probably get going. He He can't hear anything. He can't see anything. He literally is just lost, uh, staring into the sand, as he, he's afraid if, if he walks away from the spot, that's the end of his connection. Ash is going to take out another vial, and uh, he's actually going to scoop up some of the sand in it, and uh, he's going to hand it to, uh, to Nino, and he's going to go, I know he's gone, but this is, this is something. Nino sees that, and then he stops crying. As he uh, he takes the flask, and then he grabs um he grabs Ash and then hugs him tight, as he starts to cry again, but silently. Ash very awkwardly, one armedly, hugs <laughs> Nino back as best as he can. Hey 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 Ash, uh, I I got something for you. Oh boy, <laughs> as Stevie comes from the distance, noticing this tender moment, <laughs> couldn't help hey. himself. <laughs> Out of his backpack, he pulls out a fresh, very recognizable bear oh, arm. My God! Full circle. Here, let me let me put this on you for a second. And with his dwarven engineering 
he just straps it on with some leather straps, gives it some some wax with a club, and you have a brand new prosthetic arm. Nino also grabs Stevie, and uh, it hugs him, and it hugs him too while he cries even more. You guys are heading back towards the giant skyscraper where Flip called his home. Titanius leads the way, stepping towards the elevators, which he just kicks down and kind of points to the whole crowd. Going into Flip's last remaining shred of the evidence that he was here. And you guys all hop in and you see a frantic Charles running back and forth from this huge tank that was just uncovered. Ada, you would notice that when you were here, you did not see this tank here. It looks like it was like a secret passage of some sort, but he keeps injecting the fluid from the tank into various dead flip bodies around, and he's there's tears in his eyes as he's like, oh no, no, as it's just not working. So I imagine the only character of mine that is here is Cram, because Cinder would have held back. What, with the other three? Yeah. So okay. That's her squad. So Yeah, that's true. Koda would probably start to walk towards Charles then, with his astral form, as he's like cracking his knuckles. Well, well, well. What do we have here? Ugh. Oh, no. I have one question for you, Charles. But what for? It, it's a reference. It's a reference to episode two. It's a reference to <laughs> Oh. <laughs> and he goes, it's been a fun one. <laughs> Everyone begins to surround him. Coda, Coda steps forward and says, no. I have better use for him. And then uh, I, I like look him dead in the eyes. And uh, I say, work for me. He looks up at you, scared, and something clicks in his head. The connection between you and Faltier. And he goes, mercy, huh? Learned it from the real one. As you guys are all walking down the street now, even with Nino and Ash and Cinder and... Everyone. So, so Saki would probably um, stealth over real quick through the crowd and then uh, get right behind Cinder and like poke the tattoo with the ovipositors hey. and say, uh, what, what? That one must have a very popular tattoo. No, it's this one's seen it before. When you say that, her eyes light up. Where? Was it was it on dwarf about yay tall? Saki just kinda realizes what he just said and goes, Oh. This one seems far too delighted for the news about that one. The expression on her face is frozen as she takes it in. Saki would wave over Magisai then. Uh she'll go over. Yeah. And Saki says, uh, this this tattoo, it's it's exactly like Bracus's, correct? It, it's oh, his... so you know Bracus. I've been searching for him. As I put her hand on her shoulder and goes, he did his job. We made it pretty far together. Bracus got bit and I infected, but an egg put in him, and then I had, I had to kill him. Stupid dwarf, <laughs> always getting in over his head. I was going to tell him the news that I have a place. It's going to be perfect to build a new tavern. I'm going to open it in honor of him now. Hopefully he gets to see it from wherever he is. Hey, 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 Gertrude. Did, yeah. did I do Over this here, right? Yes. And I point towards the arm. Is it going to try to kill us? Because, you know, it, it was your old, it, it's from the past. Oh, man, my arm. Uh, shit. I mean, you can keep it, obviously. It's fine. Hi, Ash. Hi, Nino. Um, 
Yeah, that's that's fine. I got a cooler arm now. Oh my god, I'm crying in front of her. <laughs> it's okay, buddy. Don't don't worry. I don't I don't think she's noticed. She's she's more focused on the arm. Oh, it's could so you come bad. over here and make sure this thing's attached properly? Like get a good look at it. Ash is gonna go to pat him with the with the new arm, and then as he's about to, he's like, actually, and then he switches to his his arm, and uh, he just starts patting with that arm. Ash, Ash, just maybe maybe let him. Feel, feel the arm. Just hold his hand. It don't be like holding Gertrude's hand. Hey, would and, that make uh, you Ash, feel better? Ash holds the hand out. Open up. Oh, this is just pity now. This is just pity. Get away. Get away. Don't don't use that on me. And uh, Ash Ash just kind of like feels the hand for a second, and he goes, "Yeah, I think gammas are softer anyway." <laughs> Probably. As we zoom away from the scene over this destroyed city and you guys did it. You've won. Two months later, in the skyscraper, Saki only sees Misho's body and next to it in blood and sludge is the words, take me to the ocean. And so, wrapped in cloth and tarp, anything that he could get his hands on, Misho is next to Saki on the dock as Saki stands there overlooking the ocean. And a fisherman recognizes Saki and goes, Hey, you're one of the heroes. What saved the town? This, this one is. Yes, this one is on important business. You look a little lost in the mind. What's troubling you? Well, this one, uh, this one is just finishing up a job that he promised a friend he once had, but this one's not sure if they can do it. Well, uh, I may be a simple fisherman, but I think you've done everything your friend wanted you to do. You saved the world. You can do anything now. Yeah, except bring them back. But this one's no god. This one wouldn't want to play with a life like that. This one once just wanted to see the perfect creature created, and this one was punished dearly for it. So this one will abide by the laws of nature now. Well, uh, whatever you decide to do next, can't be worse than that. And he smiles, and he nods, and he begins to walk off. And, uh, with that, Saki would look over to the, uh, to the body. Is it, like, is it a straight up, his, like, his body? Well, it's, no, you, you wrapped it in, like, cloth and, and tarp and just anything that you could find. Okay, okay, yeah. So so Saki would look at it and say, did you hear that? That one spoke to this one as if they weren't some ugly creature. Isn't that funny? And uh, he just kind of looks at him half expecting maybe a chuckle or a laugh and then obviously knowing that it's not going to come. And uh, he sighs and uh, just goes, all right, buddy. This one's going to have to say farewell again. So live that best life in the sky, old friend. This one we'll see soon. With the um, ovipositors, they would uh, hang it over the uh, over the is it the ocean, right? Right, an ocean. Yes. Yeah. A single tear would shed and then they would just drop them into the water. As Misho Chikal just as he would have wanted, begins to float away into the ocean. You see him go far into the distance and over the horizon. You stand just watching as your first friend disappears. As uh, he just puts his hands in his pockets and uh, turns and walks... Oh, his hand in his pocket uh, as the... um, as the he- as the headband that's around uh, the cut now looks a-, a little more worn out now, and uh, he takes it off and uh, just lets it go into the air as it flies off. Six months later, Kota has returned to Wave Meat one last time to retrieve some belongings. At his modest apartment, leaning against the wall, is a portrait. It's of him 
Richard Tective and Tenebris. And on it is a note. It says, Their deaths were not in vain. The world is in good hands now. Signed, Not your master, your friend, Faultier. P.S. Sorry about your jaw. I couldn't risk you annoying Flip. Stay true to yourself, Kota. Um, is, and that's the first time he's seeing it? Yeah, like everything's covered in dust and, and that's less covered in dust, I suppose. Okay. Because you haven't been here in a while. So uh, he sees that and uh, he just smiles. He he picks up the portrait and uh, he puts it in his bag. Uh, he looks around the uh, apartment to gather some more things. As Charles appears in the doorway behind you and he goes, so... Uh, I know we had to stop here. We made this huge journey from the capital here, but what's next? Seven. We need seven. Currently, we have two. Okay, I'll take your word. This is kind of a shock to me, I I gotta say. I can't believe that I didn't get my absolute ass kicked back there. I I just want to thank you, Kota. Uh, I wouldn't thank me just yet. Believe me, this is not going to be easy on you as there is going to be a lot more work for both of us to do here. But on the bright side, it'll keep us occupied, you know, from wishing to die. That's true. That's true. Can we please get out of your depressing apartment and just kick my ass? Let's let's get out of here so you kick my ass. I just need my mind off of literally everything. Well, you, you, you didn't want to fuck around in here a little bit? What? You don't want to fuck around a little bit? Okay, Kota, let's go. <laughs> as All he right. walks into the hallway and, uh, and begins to leave. And Kota staring at his ass as he's walking out. His <laughs> spider ass. Yep. Is he a gummy pick? One year later, on the way out of the capital, Nino has made his usual... Mushmouth affections towards Gertrude. And to his surprise, she said she would contact him once things were squared away and they could have dinner or something. And well, time passed and they met up and had dinner with a tall glass of milk and now sit on the pier overlooking a sunset on the ocean. And she says, you know, I'm sorry for almost killing you and trying to kill you for a while and being the reason Stevie turned into a vampire pretty much. Yeah. Now that I'm more, you know, sane, I guess, uh, you were kind of a dick, but at the same time, you know what you wanted. And uh, I admire that. To be fair, if Loward was going to die and the only way is to kill two people, wouldn't you do that? You have no idea what I would have done for Loward. Exactly. My sister is my Loward in a way. And uh, I don't know. I, I just hope that you'd understand. I'm I'm sorry. No, I do understand. I completely understand, which is why I'm saying that I admire it. I've done a lot of terrible things for Loward. I, I drowned a guy because <laughs> he looked ugly as hell. I drowned him. Damn. I contribute to a, a bird city falling and destroying... You know, a lot of people died, I assume. Yes, uh, yeah, I remember that. That was uh, that was fun. Yeah, remember that? Yeah, I think huh. I think the difference between my things that I've done and your things is that your things somehow affected me at the same time. Oh, yeah. But, you know, it's still yeah, it's still pretty funny, though. I mean, you know, looking back at it now, I mean, you literally brought down a huge bird. Good times. Good times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Very good times. Very fun times. Oh. As you both stare at the sunset for a while Gertrude takes your hand in hers and you make eye contact for a second and you both look back towards the sunset two years later Cinder stands outside the now finished Scarlet Hive where there is a long line of people waiting to get in You're holding a portrait of Brachus, young, standing with his father in front of it a long time ago. And a very burned Rockville 
stands across the street watching from his tavern. Uh, and he slowly approaches. Hey, Cinder. Hi, Rockville. I don't know what came over me uh, all those years ago. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, I'm glad you got started again. And uh, if you need anything from my place to get you started, I, I don't mind. I I definitely owe you a lot. Yeah. You do. Is there anything I can get you now? Like, looks out down the bar. She looks back up the bar. Yeah, there's something you could do. See that tavern over there? And she points at his. Yes, the very good looking tavern. You know, not compared to yours, of course. Yeah. Move it. He <laughs> stares at you, mouth wide open, for like five seconds and he goes I um I suppose it makes sense after having tried to kill you and burn it down and but are you sure are you positive I you know we don't, we don't do as good as you okay I see the look on your face I'm I'm realizing now yeah yes still okay yeah I see the look on your face and she can, goes back to cleaning her next glass and you see it heat up almost red hot as she pours a steaming dragon into it and slides it down the bar. I get the point. Uh, all right. Well, good luck with your future endeavors. I am out of here. And he runs out. And as he's running back to his bar, his pants fall down and he trips. <laughs> and he gets back up quickly and runs I, inside I, his bar. I wanted to talk so bad. Like, as like one of his little goons just be like, hey, boss, <laughs> how'd the conversation with the lady friend go? <laughs> we're done we're done here damn it no. i don't know what came over me years no. ago <laughs> tried to burn down the bar i guess deserve it we were supposed to make the ravioli out of teeny yeah cancel it cancel it all fuck we're out of business ah nuts three years later glacio yes you are in the rebuilding penguin town. What is it called? Give me a name. Um, shit. Uh, you're putting me on the spot here. <laughs> Penguinopolis. Oldsburg. Glacier's Peak. Yeah, let's go with that. Glacier's Peak. Okay. Very good. I like it. You're a child currently. Three years old. I'm not sure how penguins age in this D&D world in terms of maturity and stuff. But, you know, you're walking, talking. As you are coming back from an expedition, you are one of the youngest warriors and explorers this tribe has ever had. Even younger and seemingly more powerful than the original Glacio. And uh, you come back and you hear your parents cooking fish dinner. <laughs> <laughs> and you hear your mother say, Glacio, come help with dinner. Coming, Ma. As you... Uh, walk in and uh she goes how are your expeditions i've i've been told there's sightings of a monster or something what's what's going on out there i'm not too sure i'm gonna try to set some traps for it soon but there seems to be a lot of tracks hopefully i can take out the monster when i catch it yeah yeah you be careful out there you're like a baby toddler i need i mean i know that the top warriors say that you're stronger than them but you're like damn i can't believe i'm letting you out there but you know you're you're a buffalo kid um anyway did you hear about the the johnsons down the street and uh you know the things that they're doing and as she's talking it's kind of like droning on and you're not really paying attention because for some reason you can't keep your eyes off the ocean uh, yeah, Ma, that's real great. Uh, I think I'm gonna go sit by the water for a little bit. You know, adventuring all day has me kind of warm for once. Okay, that's fine. I'll just be back in like ten minutes. It'll be done then. Got it. As I start making my way towards the water. You get to the edge of the ice where you stare deep into the ocean. And you think, what if 
You imagine yourself on the bottom of this ocean. Three years later still, Stevie stands at the just put up gates of the new Crackle Keep. He's with his family and the majority of the work is done. He's dusting off his hands, got his work gloves on, and uh, Mitria comes up to Stevie and says, Thank you for everything you've done here. You can take it from here. So, uh, what are you going to do now? Oh, me? Yeah. Well, I've never been one for running a town. He looks towards Mitria. Well, you did good before. I think you'll be do- good at it again. Just make sure there's no pompous hierarchy like there was when I rolled in. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, we live in harmony here. Yeah. There is no brood leader controlling anyone. And are you sure, Stevie, that you can't just stay? I left before for the same reason I'm leaving now. I'd be bored here. There's too much of that damn harmony around. I need something that's bludgeon. I mean, I don't blame you. Just, uh, be careful out there. Stay away from sharp fangs away from your neck. You know how you get when that happens. And, uh, I'm gonna miss you, Stevie. We killed a god. What else is there to do out there? She laughs and slaps you really hard in the back in a in a young family kind of way. As, uh, you prepare to take off. And Stevie continues forth. Five years later. Ash. Yeah. <laughs> Ash is getting ready to open his charcoal bread shop, no longer charcoal, plus mechanic shop called The Little Seedling. Uh, he's wiping down one of the counters as a man slams himself against the glass doors. He's obviously drunk early in the morning, and he's trying to get in. He's like, hey, let me in. And uh, Ash is going to walk up to the doors, and uh, he's going he's gonna to kind of like slip out without letting the guy in. And he's going to wipe down the spot in the glass where the guy hit. And uh, <laughs> he's going to be like, is there, can, can, can I help you with anything? Or... I need some bread to take away this feeling of alcohol that I drank too much, so I'm eating bread. Let me in, or I'll give you what for. Ash is just going to kind of look at the time, and uh, he's going to go, yeah, well, all right. And he's going to open the door, and he's going to let the guy in, and he's going to be like, I, I don't open for a little bit, so I could, I could give you some a little bit. Oh, nice place you got here, as he steps in, and he's looking all around. And uh, he goes, so it's just you here, huh? Well, me and my, my cat, he's, uh, he's, he's resting over there. And it's just it, the, the giant metal cat's just sleeping in a little tiny, like a, a regular-sized cat bed. Yeah. <laughs> As uh, he kind of nods, and then he quickly pulls out a knife and points it at you. He says, give me everything. And uh, Asher's going to have his hands up. And uh, he's going to go, you know, I, uh, I, I really don't have much. Everything that I had kind of went into uh, making this place. Yeah. Open the register. And uh, he's going to walk over and he's going <laughs> to open it. And there's literally like nothing in there. And uh, he looks at he's what? what? And he lunges at you with a knife. I need the monies. And uh, he's going to put the, the fake hand forward to catch it. It's like even if it stabs through, it's just the, the fake hand. And uh, he's not going to fight back or anything. He's just going to hold the knife back. And uh, he's going to go, um, Sir, I'm going to have to ask you to leave my shop. <laughs> That's a very polite way of <laughs> saying that to a man who just tried to stab you. But he goes, at, with the knife sticking into your fake arm, he goes, What are you, some kind of f- fake man? Uh, what is this wizard- wizardry? I'm out of here. What is this? Magic? Never heard of it. As he leaves a knife in you, and he runs out the doors. And as the door is open, someone puts a foot in there to keep it open. And in steps, Nino, 
Cinder, and Stevie. And uh, at first, he's just kind of like wiping his hand down with, you know, he took the knife out and everything. He's wiping it down and he's like back behind the counter so he can't see them. And he's like washing his hands. And he's like, um, sorry, we're actually not open yet. I just kind of had to kick a guy out for being a little rowdy. But um, I, yeah. Oh, 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 all right. Sorry. I'll, I'll walk up. My bad. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Ash quickly whips around and he's like, oh, uh, no, you can, you, you can come in. Oh, oh, we're allowed. Please do. Yeah, please come in. Oh, okay. all right. I just wanted to make sure because I, I don't want to be rude. No, no, please. You, you guys are always more than welcome. Uh, are, oh, wow, really? <laughs> come back wow. in. Well, I'm glad to hear that we're on the reserved list. Of course, yeah. Here, let me let me throw a loaf in early for you guys. And uh, he he sews him to like a, a little table to sit down, and he starts making some bread for them. So, so what what made you set up shop here? It seems like uh, you could have probably found a little uh, for someone for someone who saved the world. Thought you would choose a little more upscale town as opposed to somewhere where you get mugged at night. And uh, Ash is like, well, you know, I uh, this place wasn't always um, a crater. There used to be, there is a lot of history here. And uh, one of these days, the little seedling's going to spl- flourish and uh, it's going to sprout. Well, why not make a, if you know the history of it, why not make a museum? And uh, oh. Ash is going to look over at him and he's going to go, I find museums kind of, uh, kind of tacky. <laughs> too, oh, uh, I hate them, in fact. <laughs> too, too artistic for my tastes, you might say. Mm. And uh, he looks back at the ovens and he goes, but a bakery, a bakery is nothing but warmth and love and fire being used for just the right things. You hear the bells to the doors jingle as another person walks in, and it's Gertrude. She's pushing a stroller in with hers and Nino's newborn baby daughter. It's a, it's a fucking, it's an alien. It's Loward. <laughs> Just Loward. Loward in the stroller. That's thing. Out of it. Long after the adventure is over, we check back in with our heroes for one last time. Ash's bread and mechanic shop, The Little Seedling, continues to be a success in Sunbath. A few blocks away, they're unveiling the main station for the new high-speed transit system for the country. Outside it is a statue they've also just unveiled of Ash. Next to the real Ash, standing in the crowd, is the capital city's mayor. He asks, so, how's it feel to be a huge part of the world's history now? Um, it's, uh, it's nice spreading warmth instead of, uh, instead of heat. That's pretty good, because you, like, light things on fire? He just kind of looks at him and he's like, I used to. We look towards the statue. A closer look at the plaque at the base of it. You can see in small writing, says... To sprout. In the icy wastelands that Glacio is from, a new penguin society flourishes. But Glacio has been long gone. They haven't been heard from in years. Some say they're dead, but some say they lurk in the depths of the ocean as a tentacled titan. Glacio. Yes. What do you do as a kraken? As a kraken, I'd imagine I'm kind of just, you know, eating things smaller than me, answering the prayers for help. <laughs> like a superhero? <laughs> I mean, I'm a god. So. Oh, yes. And then, just for shits and giggles, I'm throwing ships everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> You're like a legend. <laughs> yep. Now some say that the that legendary Kraken starts throwing boats at children. We have no <laughs> we have no proof of such a thing. But oh god, it's in the boat! <laughs> Protect the children. Protect the children at all costs. It won't no, hit it the adults. 
No, I do not harm any ships that have children on it. There you go. No, no, you throw the boats at children. That's worse. No. <laughs> <laughs> as uh, you continue your life, not as Glacio the Penguin, but as Glacio the Penguin Kraken Hybrid. Saki Obai took a long time to come to grips with the domino effect he had in the destruction of the capital city. Instead of retreating, though, he chooses to travel the country, making a better name for the Kaiten. And eventually, he musters up the courage to return to Liptis. He arrives in Liptis with a few of the Kaiten in tow. Those who have died that he gave another shot at life. He came to Liptis to do the same. But he stopped. An older woman stares him down for a moment. Saki recognizes her, the teacher who trained him to be a warrior as a child. He expects an attack, like most have done to him on his travels, but instead, she hugs him and says, I didn't think you made it out. This one wasn't sure that they were going to. This one wasn't sure that you were going to recognize this one. Of course, you were always an exceptional warrior. It's it's horrible what happened, but I mean, look at you. You look so healthy now. <laughs> well, this one was uh, only able to do this because they made friends along the way. As uh, the other Kaitin with you are, uh, you know, patting you on the back in this moment of support as she leads you into the city as we zoom out on Liptus. A town is in flames. A fight has taken place here, clearly. This town has been under the rule of a powerful tyrant for years. Any kind of rebellion was squished single-handedly by this person. Their brutal rule was unstoppable. But now she lies in rubble, struggling to stay alive. Kotobumi slowly approaches, first making sure his follower, Charles, nearby, who is critically injured, is okay. The tyrant says, Killing me won't make you any better. As she tries to keep her eyes open. Oh god, you're so right. It's so crazy. <laughs> Kidding. Anyways, hi. Uh, I'm Coda. Uh, as you can see, you ain't shit. Uh, compared <laughs> to as much as you think you are. But, might I give a recommendation why don't you use your dastardly diabolical little schemes here uh leave that behind and work for me <sighs> mercy for me do you see this place ain't mercy such a bitch it really makes you think about all the bad that you've done doesn't it she grits her teeth just struggling to stay alive and you actually see a tear come to the tyrant's eyes. Forgiveness is something she has never known. An offer of redemption coming from a person who was forgiven for working with the most evil wizard. They take off again, Kota having gained a new follower. He can't change the things he's done, what they have done, but he can change the future. Stevie Young is scaling a sheer rock wall. He's in some sort of dungeon. It's dimly lit from a light source over the edge of the top. There's distant anguish screams that make Stevie wince as he gets closer to the top. And he finally rounds the edge. Surrounded by bowing underlings is a cowled, pale man. He's wiping his chin, holding a scrawny person in his other hand. He tosses it aside. He says, I assume you're the person Crackle Keefe sent after my underlings had some fun there. And the underlings laugh, and he says, I can't believe they sent one person to take on a brood leader. Tell me, what is your name? It's the nice thing to ask before we dine on your blood. Ah, uh, God. Really? You don't, you don't know who I am? Really? Well, I've done the courtesy. Oh, no, I did. I don't care who you are. Well, I guess telling you my name would be the courteous thing to do before bashing your skull in. 
The name's Stevie. Stevie Young. What? No, you're not. He died. Is that what they're saying I did? God, that's such a boring way. You know, you, you, you're gonna live. Everyone else here is going to have a very brutal death, but you, you're going to, whoever told you that, no, tell me who told you that. My friend, ah, damn it, the, the first, like, five names I thought of was, was all of your names for some reason. <laughs> Ashton, Cinder, I mean, uh, Graham, no. My friend Michael. Alright, where is Michael? I'm gonna spend, give him a, is he also a vampire? Yeah, he probably is. Yeah. Yeah, you, you like the vampire groups. I remember being when I was a brew leader. But I'm going yeah. to spend Wait, Michael a good visit and he and, and find out where he's starting these rumors. All right. Where, where is where's Michael, by the way? So he's staring at you, sweating a little bit as uh, he looks nervous as he's contemplating what to do. He then sprints off as his underlings are split between fleeing in terror and trying in vain to attack. I just wanted directions! <laughs> <laughs> and thus, shortly after, Stevie exits covered in broodleader blood. With a new address. Content. <laughs> and a, an address in his hand. Content on continuing forth into adventure. Magisai. Magisai took off to finally adventure again. Through her travels, she ends up at the one place where it all started for her. The Cursed Mansion. And in her hand, she holds the crown that they got on that horrible day. And Ari, I want to ask you one thing. Holding this crown, holding every single spell from every, every single level, how do you destroy the Cursed Mansion? I have every spell in my hand right now, right? Yes. I'm not destroying it. I bring Brackus back. And a bright light appears as we zoom out from this scene. And what's the first thing you guys say to each other as Brackus has just appeared? Nothing. I just hug him. You did it. Reunited again after all of this hardship. Brachus and Magisai. For Cinder, the adventure is now over. This bar, the Scarlet Hive, was everything she had worked for. This bar has become the talk of the city, not only for its service, but for it being a place for Genasi and Elementals to stay. The doors are always open for them. It's what Brachus would have wanted. It's what Brachus will come back to. <laughs> Nico Nico No Cap stands with his hands behind his back, walking slowly in front of potential warriors for his new fighting squad. They are all good candidates. He's trained them well over the years. The youngest candidate steps forward, his daughter. She holds her short sword as she approaches the nearby target dummy. She strikes it. Not great. What is Nino's reaction to this? Okay, we've been over this, alright, a couple times. You gotta make sure that when you stab it, you think of the ugliest, most disgusting, <laughs> foul piece of, of trash that you've ever witnessed, and that you want to end that misery that they live every single day of their lives. Okay, sweetie? So, she's nodding the whole time, and then uh, you hear a voice from behind you that's saying, don't listen to this chump when it comes to short swords. Try this. And Gertrude seemed to appear from nowhere as she holds her hand out for the sword. She smiles at Nino. She approaches the dummy and just disintegrates it in one swing. The paper flowers are thoroughly impressed. How does Nino react? Uh, I just go, ah, uh, that reminds me of when you hit me with that exact same blow. <laughs> Good times. As your daughter says, I think I got it, and asks for the short sword back. She approaches another dummy, and in a nearly identical way, the dummy disintegrates. Uh, and he, he stands there, puts a hand over his mouth, uh, while the other one is under his chin, and uh, he goes... Yes, that is what we do 
too ugly, disgusting, and then it just cuts <laughs> off. Yeah. As uh, Gertrude smiles, takes Nino's hand, and says, You're doing good work, Nino. Lowered would be proud. I just, I just aim to try to do what little he did for me, uh, for everyone else, no matter how small it may be. It, it's unfortunate that I can't do much more since I've lost my magic, but I can at least show them what I used to do. Even 15 years later, the scars of that final battle still shows in the capital city. Deep holes in the beach, destroyed buildings, spots that lay barren, completely demolished and have yet to be rebuilt. Cranberry is similar to the capital city in that his body is a reminder of that day. A deep gouge in his back that is too deep and wide for any low-level magic to fix. He's replaced one of his arms since then. It's slightly bigger and more badass. He finds himself back in the city after years of finding himself in various conflicts and battles and ventures, as he usually does. He's at the site where they all met up for the last time. People pass by, unaware of the significance of this spot. But one of them catches his eye, makes him do a double take. It's a goblin in a shiny astronaut-like suit. Younger, looking less like she has the weight of the world on her shoulders, but more looking around in amazement. Rolic? Is that you? She stops and looks at you, the person who called her name, and she goes, Uh, hey, have we met before? <laughs> no, I mean... No. I know I do time travel stuff, but I, I'm, I'm not sure we've met. No, we haven't met yet. Well, you haven't. But this? Thanks for the heads up. I reach my hand out to shake her hand. She shakes your hand in amazement as she says, This is the first time I've seen the capital city intact. How? How did you do it? With a little help. From you. And I pat her on the back. Believe me, you're, we're going to get real acquainted later on. Oh, and maybe when you, you know, no, wait, I don't want to mess with too much of the time. I mean, it's kind of a relief for me because I've been placing the burden of saving the world on myself this entire time. And then realize I should have realized that it was you and everyone else who does it. Of course. Well, don't sell yourself short because we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. Believe me. She smiles at you and says, Well, thank you for everything. Uh, this will probably be the last time we meet. Live a nice, long life for the rest of us who can't. And be be careful out there, okay? Oh, you too. I, I'm sure I'll be just fine. She smiles and she begins to walk away. Tears welling up as she's waving. And now, now, wait, where is it, where is it, where is it, where is it? Because Gertrude gave this to Cranberry, didn't he? Yes, yes. <laughs> Don't worry. I'll be watching as Cranberry tries to figure out how to use that device that was given to him by Gertrude to attach. <laughs> <laughs> the flip. You just chuck it at her? No, when I patted her on the back. Okay. Clip. It goes on her. You give her a, a, a smile as much as you can as you're like, I got this. As she slowly disappears into the crowd. As she leaves for the last time. And moments later, the GPS that this magic works on, it actually goes offline as if the thing just plain disappeared and did not come back. Well, if a cover come around, I'll be sure to visit. And he looks off into the ocean as sun goes down. We zoom out on the city, alive once again, after being saved by our heroes. East Hartford has been fully rebuilt. The magic shop where it began is now a museum dedicated to the history of our heroes. 
At the Great Lakes of the Upper, the site of Flip's destroyed mansion is now a huge garden tended by Goru. The ruined kingdom is now the Barrett Kingdom, a rich, prosperous city. Nexus is the head of the Royal Guard, the leader of this being an escaped family member of the Barrett clan. His great-great-great-granddaughter. She looks a lot like him, actually. Crackle Keep is now a peaceful vampire town. The mines have started again. The town is peaceful enough that non-vampires also live and mine there. A dome has started being constructed. At Wavemeet, everyone seemed unaware of any world destruction, and everyone was too scared to approach Mystic Falls. Some say Mystic Falls was too sacred to be affected, thus Wavemeet was safe. The quarantine zone was completely demolished by the military. They asked Magisai for help. Who knows, Magisai would have helped. <laughs> Liptus now knows the true way to worship Loward. Every year in the anniversary of Nino showing up, they have a milk festival. At the Champion Mountains, it is now a much larger operation. The head of it is Titanius, who is now retired. New champions are being created every day. And across the country, in East Hartford, a golden extraterrestrial sits on an old gothic magic shop bopping his head to an inaudible beat. He stands, begins to float, and gets ready for the end of his journey. And like lightning, he takes off, leaving a gold streak in the sky. He passes over Crackle Keep, Ruined Kingdom, Garbage Lands. He ends his flight a few minutes later at Champion Mountains. There's a cavern near the peak. The entrance is just small enough for him to squeeze into. He floats in deeper and deeper, towards a blue light an open room with platinum in the center. Paper plants of all kinds surround them. They sway as the wind picks up. Loward and platinum meet in the middle. Loward looks around one last time as the plants give off a glowing golden light. He looks back at platinum and nods. There's a meow, and they both glow blue and gold as they begin to disappear. Into a beautiful mist that swirls around the room. The lights go out, as they are now gone. And that was the 20 effect. Wait. Yeah. Okay. I'm